Hello, and welcome to the Wild Wonder podcast, where we seek to democratize and demystify holistic wellness practices. I am your host, Kristen Yorka, and today we have a show entitled The World's Gone Gaga over Gaga. To speak with us on what exactly Gaga is, is dancer, dance scholar, and Gaga guide, Deborah Bredis Galili. Welcome. Hi, it's wonderful to be with you here. Thank you for hosting me. I'm so happy to have you. Last we spoke, um, you were getting prepared to teach your first class post-pandemic. How did it go? <laughs> oh, it was it was such a gift to get back in the studio after all this time. Even though I've been doing Gaga online, great to be back with people in a real did, place. Did it feel like you had to relearn social norms? A little bit. I think That's we kind of all my fear. Kind of, yeah, we all had to exhale and realize that it's it's okay. You know, we're lucky to be vaccinated here. So, you know, but we realized it's time to move. It's time to enjoy and to reconnect. That's, yeah. that's awesome. Um, so for those that don't know, is there, how do we describe Gaga for the uninitiated? Well, it's, it's a great question. It's something that after all of these years, sometimes <laughs> I still grapple with. Um, so I guess maybe to, to give a little bit of background, I always say it's, it's Ohad Naharin's movement language. This is something that's been developed by um, Ohad Naharin, who is the house choreographer for Batsheva Dance Company, Israel's mm -hmm. biggest, most prestigious dance company. Um, and he was the artistic director for many years. So it's a movement language, but sort of bottom line is that it's a, a movement practice. It's uh, classes that are given, and there's both classes for dancers and also classes for anybody. If you have a body, you can do Gaga. And it's a way of really working out, first and foremost. It's a fundamentally physical practice mm -hmm. where we're moving the whole time, um, where we're connecting to our stamina, to our speed, to our agility, our flexibility um and at the same time as we're we're connecting to this sense of workout and challenging our physical limits it's also a way to really enjoy moving and connect mm -hmm. to our passion to move connect to the pleasure that's inside movement um to find our own groove our own internal rhythm um and so it really touches on both this physical aspect mm -hmm. but also something beyond that yeah, what I found when I, I took the class with myself, my daughter, and my husband, mm. and I mean, I could say so much about it, but what was different from any other movement practice, primarily yoga, was the teacher kept telling us, keep your eyes open, because part of it is to also, you know, be able to engage or take in, I'm assuming, the world around mm -hmm. you and the people you're dancing with and near. Yeah, I would I would agree with that assessment. Um, and it's true, we, we move through life with our eyes open. And it is nice once in a while to take that moment as in yoga, as in many practices, to close our eyes. And, and sometimes that can heighten our ability to sense our body. Mm -hmm. um, but we'd like to also find that when our eyes are open, when we're just walking through the street. And for sure in Gaga class, we, we want to find that with our eyes open the whole time to also see it's really important for us in classes to see what the teacher is doing. The teacher is moving the whole time with all the participants. And so we can learn a lot from what the teacher is doing. And we can learn from each other, from what mm -hmm. other people are doing in the space. Um, but then we can take it into our lives and, and stay sensitive while we see everything around us. We can't close our eyes while we walk down the street, but we can you know, we need to keep them open and we can still connect to our physical sensations. 
We can't keep our eyes closed while we walk down the street, but I think most of us tend to walk down the street kind of disengaged or not looking at other people, maybe looking down or with headphones or looking anywhere but in other people's eyes. And I felt like it it kind of challenged me, the movement, to, to move and look at other people while some of the movements that I'm doing maybe felt strange. And I kind of had mm-hmm. to take a moment and, and uh, like self, it brought the self-awareness. Like, do I look weird while I'm doing this? Like, do other people see me doing something strange? And then liberating because then I was like, who cares? We're all moving in this great new way. Yeah, I think it's it's great that you had that experience of it. And I think it's, it's quite typical also that, you know, un- unlike a lot of other movement practices, um, you know, where you're really trying to have a very precise form, you're maybe moving through, let's say, sun salutations in yoga or in a ballet class, you're moving through a very particular vocabulary and you're trying to achieve, you know, a certain look. Um, and here it's not about achieving that certain look. And, and it's about also finding things that are unknown and unfamiliar for your body, that these are also movement options. Um, and you don't need to look a certain way. You don't need to, to move a particular, in a particular form. Um, we also, we work without mirrors in Gaga and that's also part of it. So, you know, we're looking around at each other, but it's, it's not to judge, it's to get inspired by. And we don't look at ourselves. We can sense ourselves and we want to sense ourselves, but we don't look in the mirror to say, okay, now, now I'm achieving this, this <laughs> right. Maybe, you know, whatever it may be. It's really about, okay, how do I sense the distance of my body parts and the space from one another? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe there is some place that I'm not normally, maybe they're behind me now. What does, what does that bring my body? Yeah. Yeah, it could be really, I feel it could be really empowering for people because often I think in Western society and speaking as a yoga teacher and dance teacher here, most people will come into a space, whether that's an adult or a child and say, well, what do you want me to do? Well, how do you want this to look? How do I know that I'm doing this right Mm-hmm. And instead we take, I believe Gaga takes that away and gives the power back to the person. Like it doesn't have to look a certain way, kind of look inside and see how you want this to feel in your body or how it feels in your body or how your body wants to move. Yeah. I, I think there is something to that in that, you know, also we often talk about Gaga. If we use movement language is one, one word we use a lot or one term we use a lot and research is another term that we use a lot. Mm-hmm. And, so much of it is about really, you know, discovering the the how it feels. So again, not not how it looks, but really looking for it for yourself. So your experience may be a bit different in your body than my experience and the person next to us and the person across the room. Um, and it's quite right that we don't necessarily need to look a certain way. I think for, for those of us who are teaching, there are times that we will guide and we'll try to give feedback because maybe we can perceive that the physical experience someone is having is not quite what we think they can get to, mm-hmm. like that they have more to research, they have more to discover. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's less about, again, achieving a particular form, which is also something that, that's wonderful in a lot of practices, right. but it's a bit different than what we're, we're aiming for. Right. Yeah. And what, what do you think makes it so accessible for all these different people? Because you did say it was for dancers and non-dancers, but I've also seen on Netflix's Move, Mm-hmm. Um, which highlighted Gaga movement in nursing homes. And I thought that was fantastic yeah. because we never consider that, at least I've never heard of the elderly being given like a movement class, you know, where they could really explore their bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, 
I mean, as, as we noted, so there is the Gaga for dancers, but really all the, all from the beginning, it was already something that was geared towards the general public as well. Had research, he did it in tandem. He, he was working with the company with Bacheva and he was also working with a group of people who had no dance background whatsoever, who were interested in moving, who were interested in connecting to their bodies in a different mm -hmm. way. Um, and so already back in the late 1990s and the 2000s, when he was really deepening into the research, it started out with that. And since then, there's been, I think, more of an attempt First off, the, the, the regular classes, they could be for anyone of any age. So Agaga People class, which is what we call the classes for the general public, not specifically right. for dancers. You can have someone in there who's 16, someone who's 36, 56, 66, maybe even an 86-year-old might pop in there. Yes, or your well, eight-year-olds maybe not so much. We typically do start at around sixteen. But there is also some. There's some Gaga for families where, yeah, you would have your eight-year-old and and you and maybe somebody else dancing together. Mm -hmm. um, but so it's always been for a broad age range and and different body types, different physical abilities. You have somebody who maybe they are a dancer or maybe they're not a dancer, but they're a yoga practitioner like you, or they do Pilates, or maybe they swim, they run, and maybe there's someone who really. They, they don't do that in their daily life. And this is their workout. This is their form of tuning into their body. So we've always had that um, within this one class that it can encompass everybody. Um, but we have also, yes, done these classes that are for particular populations. So like you said, in, in um, old age homes, we have some in retirement homes. Um, we have now also a seated class in general, which that, that in and of itself is a fairly large umbrella. And we, we want people who maybe they're older and they're unsteady. And so they don't feel quite so comfortable standing for a long period of time. And they do it in their chair. Maybe there's someone who's younger, but they just sprained their ankle and they can't stand for a long period of time. So they can rehabilitate and move in their chair. Maybe there's somebody who's in a wheelchair who can participate. And maybe it's just somebody who it fits into their schedule. So. It can really be for for everybody in that way, yeah, and we, we do want to reach people. Yeah, I believe no, it was maybe just last week. And correct me if this is the wrong publication, mm -hmm. but I believe it was in the Jerusalem Post that they were highlighting Gaga for its ability to allow differently abled people to step into a dance class that otherwise mm -hmm. dance classes can be kind of a scary place for a person that that moves differently or has some limitations to movement. Um, in terms of dance. And I thought that was really great because yeah, how do you access more of the population? So when you say Gaga is for everybody, it really is for everyone. And I've taken both the dance, the Gaga for dancers and Gaga for people. And I don't, I don't know, maybe it's cause I was a dancer that I didn't see a mm -hmm. whole lot of difference. I didn't think that like maybe a person off the street couldn't do the dancer class. Maybe just the, the vocabulary or, was different, at least online because I haven't had the great blessing of being in an in-person class, but would that be true to say that it kind of gives everyone a greater opportunity to explore their bodies in a different way? Yeah, I think it gives, it gives both dancers who have, you know, whether they have a ballet background, a flamenco background, a hip hop background, whatever they have, it gives them a different way to explore their bodies. And people without dance backgrounds, it also is giving them this kind of a very similar opportunity mm -hmm. to explore. And I think you're, you're perceptive in that we do view it, we do view these, this dancer, Gaga dancer track and the Gaga people track as having more in common mm -hmm. than separate. The dancers um, classes, 
they are more geared for people who have this ambition to perform mm. on stage. We are drawing on the vocabulary, um, typically of, of um, ballet specifically, because mm. for a lot, not everybody, but for a lot of trained dancers, that is kind of a common ground that they can reference, their skills that they, they will need to use in their daily lives. Um, and that becomes kind of a framework on which you can build the Gaga research. Um, mm. And there are some things that we do there, like jumping, that we don't do so much in people classes. But in, in both of these settings, it really is about exploring your sensations, um, pushing the limits a little bit, finding something a bit different than what you're used to, um, and, and also really enjoying, which I think is something that we all need more of um, in our lives, and especially in this time. So it's yeah, connecting it was, it was that kind of a party. I felt like when yeah. I took it, it was kind of like an international party. I'm like, this is great. We're going to dance together. And especially during the pandemic, it not only allowed connection within my own family, but I felt like we're connecting with the people dancing online, which as much time as we now all spend online, I, I don't think I always get that. But I did yeah. feel the sensation like we're really sharing thousands of miles away with each other. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm, so, I'm so glad to hear that you feel that because I... <laughs> I feel that too, and I think that's something that we really aimed for with the, the live stream mm -hmm. classes, that um, it is really about connecting with people from afar. We were, we were lucky even before the pandemic in that, um, you know, though, though it started here in Tel Aviv, we really spread out globally and teachers travel, there are teachers who are based in different places. And so there's always been this kind of international community around it, but now, in a sense, this international community can gather online in the same virtual space yeah. at the same time. Um, and it really is, you know, you see each other dancing, even if it's in these little boxes you do. And at the end of mm -hmm. class for the online classes where we're spotlighting people. So you see, even, yeah. even if you can't look around you and see the people in the <laughs> studio, at the end you see each other dancing and maybe you see yourself mm -hmm. for a moment. Yeah. And, yeah, and and people are, they're meeting online, they're connecting with each other. and. And it's been really um, this this great gift to have a, a community throughout this yeah. whole year and year and some. As it I've were. noticed that across social channels, people be like, "Oh, you do Gaga, you do Gaga," and they're like <laughs> congregating around yeah. this movement. You know, wow. they, they identify with it um, strongly. I think I just posted yeah. about it recently, and all these people are like, "Gaga, Gaga, Gaga," like all across the world. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, it's really cool. Um, it's, but you said that it wasn't online before, correct? It was. Is it true no. to say that, like during the pandemic, you guys launched online? Yeah. So things things here in Tel Aviv and in Israel at large, they were shutting down around March fifteenth and March sixteenth. I think we were online. We just took a oh. really quick decision, not knowing how long this would be. I don't think at that time any of us thought that this was going to be what it was. Um, but, you know, we thought, okay, this, this could be a temporary solution and a way to keep going, a way to connect to people and a way to find something positive in this time. Um, so we went online and it was, it was a great decision. And it's, um, I think, you know, especially at the beginning when we were all confined to our homes, I, I know for myself, I never really had thought about the freedom of movement that we have um, in our own lives, just, you know, walking to the grocery store, going to the corner coffee shop, going to the playground or the park, walking mm -hmm. to work, going to see a friend. You're just that, that traveling in and out of your home and in and, in and out of a space. Um, 
And, and I think for me, I know that when I got to take class online, even if I was confined to my house, I finally felt, you know, for this half hour online, I have some measure of freedom of movement. Mm -hmm. You know, it may be, it may be bound by this space, but I'm in my body, you know, I'm no longer walking the half an hour or an hour a day that I once was, but okay, now I'm, I'm in my body, I'm exploring again, I'm still finding something new, even if I can't leave my home or I can't go, you know, more than 100 meters or one kilometer, which were the, those were the regulations here. Right. Um, it yeah. kind of transforms you too. It gives you that freedom to know, like, with this body, I could do so much, maybe more than I really even think about on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, totally. And, you know, Ohad often, he does talk about going beyond our um, familiar limits on a daily basis. That's something that he hopes that doing Gaga will help us to do, um, to physically transcend those places where we think, oh, this is, this is, you know, how, how strong we are, how flexible, how much we can stretch. But no, maybe we can, maybe we can go more, maybe we can stretch more, maybe we can, you know, press more, find more effort, Mm -hmm. and also win that find more pleasure. And it's, it's true. I I know that in my practice, you know, I've been doing this since 2007, um, I, that I've definitely found more and more layers and I've gone beyond what I thought I could do. And, you know, I've gotten older and I feel, oh, you know, I'm still, my body is changing, but wow, look at all of these things that I can do still, um, whether in class and then again, to take it into my daily life. Yeah. That's another part of it because there's this idea culturally and maybe internationally of like beyond a certain age. I know when I was a dancer, I thought, you know, by 25, you, you were ancient and you were not going to dance anymore. You know, it's one of these ideas like, no, yeah. it's like that your career is done. You might as well sit down. Um, and then now nearing my forties, I feel like this is one of those movement practices that makes me feel still vital and able to move in a way that yoga does too. In that do great things and maybe if I had this practice when I was younger I wouldn't have these beliefs these limiting beliefs around movement that maybe the movement is different or changes but it's not worse than it was it doesn't grow worse mm-hmm. yeah I really identify with that too I also had this idea if I think about you know my mindset before I came to Gaga I came to Gaga when I was mm-hmm. 27 um, and I had a lot of the same ideas as you did. And I'd also been plagued by a lot of injuries. Um, and so I, you know, I, I don't think I had envisioned, I didn't, I didn't know at the time, I didn't envision that at the time I would get to become uh, a Gaga te- um, a teacher at the time. The only teachers were, were former dancers from Bachara and, and I never was one. Um, you know, I like, I, I 40 at that time felt way, way far away and, you know, the idea that I could still be dancing and so active and really enjoying moving and feel super connected to my body. Um, you know, I think as a, a more naive 20 something year old, I just was like, oh, you know, I, I hope, but I don't know. And and now, now I just turned 40. I feel, yeah, you know, here I am. I'm still doing this. I can still do this for a long time. I see the people in class and I'm so inspired by them. You know, I see them mm-hmm. of, of every age and every walk of life. Um, and I see how connected they are to their bodies. I see how much, how much groove they have, like how much they're enjoying moving yeah. and dancing and how much they can do. And it, it's something I think also, yeah, in, in, um, in a lot of contexts, we don't see 
older people moving, you know, the, the media doesn't necessarily show us or it shows, it shows a certain idea of age and what you can do in your body mm-hmm. at a certain age. And I think that um, it, that's not the case. You know, the more that we can stay in tune with our body now, however old we are, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, hopefully we can still have that. And we can also have some more wisdom and knowledge if we really tune in to to ourselves. It also dictates, this belief also dictates what is available for people. Because I always struggled with, like, once I wasn't a dancer anymore, what do I do? You know, I have to do something else because there's not necessarily dance classes for older people you know or non-dancers everywhere um and the same idea with like when we talk about the elderly exercising the classes that are usually promoted is like you could do chair yoga or you could do water aerobics (laughs) yes yes it's true yeah i had i had a similar thought we might have even spoken about this briefly when Mm -hmm. we first talked but but yeah i thought you know well what happens what happens to dancers if they don't if they don't go into a professional dance career and they're done with university, you know, like, right. like where, where do they go? What do they do? And, and here, here there's a practice that, you know, for them, it's, it's great. And then also if somebody has never danced and they're 40 mm-hmm. or 45 or 50 or however old they are, okay, well, this is perfectly welcoming for them. Um, which is also nice because there's some people who maybe always harbored a desire mm-hmm. um, to dance, but for whatever reason didn't. And it's nice to have a venue that, again, it's not judgmental. It's not putting you in front of a mirror. It's not, it's not trying to get you to conform to a certain mold um, as if you were trying to go on stage and be a professional dancer. So It's not yeah. competitive in that way. You're not competing against others and you're not competing against yourself. Um, so there's right. a liberation there. You don't have to be anything or look a certain way and still enjoy this experience. Right. Yeah. You just need to be open to to grow, to try, to experience, to not take it too seriously. We often talk about, you know, you can you can yeah. be a little bit silly. And if you can do that, then then I think there's lots of room to explore and have fun with it. Now, when you said a little bit silly, my first Gaga class was with this teacher and it was just hilarious. I keep watching the clip over and over and over again. He's like, okay, now move, but you're covered in honey. Okay, now move, but you're covered in feathers and you want to get the feathers off. (laughs) It was so funny watching it back. Obviously, watching it back wasn't like it felt while I was doing it, but it it was just hilarious. I love watching that clip over and over. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's fun to, to really be in that. I mean, we can, we can, enjoy that sensation and you can you can tap into that sensation now right you can right. imagine that you're covered in honey and you could shake the feathers that are falling <laughs> down and shake them off or you could move through honey yeah it's fun yeah. using these images and they they they're a little bit lighter than mm-hmm. than some kinds of um instructions so they mm-hmm. add a little something to it right and you said you started gaga at first around 25 you said 26 Seven, I think. Yeah, twenty-seven. But you're not from Tel Aviv. Twenty-six. <laughs> no, I'm not from not from Tel Aviv. You're not from Tel Aviv. I want to no. say you're from New Jersey, correct? Yes. Um, so, so how good. does a dancer, ex ballerina, get to Tel Aviv mm-hmm. and discover, or discover Gaga, and then go to Tel Aviv, or did you go to Tel Aviv and then discover Gaga? 
It's sort of both and because I never got to take it in the States. Um, at that time in 2007, there really wasn't any chance to do Gaga in the States. So I'd heard of it. So I'd, I'd like discovered it sort of by word of mouth without trying it. Um, what happened was I was really intrigued at the time I was doing a lot of dance history work. Um, I had done a, a Master of Fine Arts at Ohio State. And um, I was really, really intrigued by Batsheva Dance Company, by Ohad Nahalim's choreography, which I had had the opportunity to see. Um, and there was just a lot of buzz about the dance scene in Israel in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of really great choreographers who were making work, who were touring. Um, and so I wanted to learn more about all of these things. And uh, I was lucky enough to get a Fulbright grant to come to Israel for the 2007 to 2008 academic year. So I made it over here. And then I really discovered Gaga because I could finally get into the studio um, and take classes. So so that's how I made it over here. And I I just got Prior to actually making it to Israel, were you just kind of hearing about Gaga or you had watched it online or, you know, there was some dancer talk around the subject? There was dancer talk around the subject. I mean, it's, it's funny to, to actually put myself in the mindset of how, how things were then, you know, forget Gaga online, forget actually getting to Zoom and do classes right. or Crowdcast or, or any of this technology. You know, for that matter, I think YouTube was still pretty much in its infancy when I was applying to, um, to the Fulbright. And so maybe I had gotten to see a few clips of Ohad's choreography. And I had seen, I had seen the Batsheva Dance Company perform a few times, both on tour in the States. And then there was one time that I had come to Israel and I saw them a little bit. And yeah, just within dancer circles, the, the name Gaga was already out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the company, there were teachers in the company who would teach when they were on tour, although I never got to experience that. So Gaga didn't even have a website. There were no videos of anything online. There were like a few articles. Um, so it's kind of underground. It was something yeah. that the dancers would teach maybe if they were in a city and had just done a show, something like that, or like workshops yeah. at the theater. Yeah, it was, I think it was exactly that. And to be honest, I think at that time, there were already Gaga people classes open to everyone here in Israel. But I think abroad, I think what the, the company dancers probably did more often than not, it was probably classes for dancers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure even how easy, you know, if I was not in the dance world, like, you know, would I, would I have heard of it at all? Would it have right. been an option at all outside of Israel? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But here, here it was already really taking root and blossoming um, and was very, very much for for the general public. So then so I came here and that's what I took. Mm-hmm. So you're in your mid-20s, you arrive in yeah. Israel, you're studying, right, for your MFA? So I'd finished the MFA and I was just an independent dance researcher, which was such a dream to have a year to just research. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. So what were you researching? Israeli dance companies or? Yeah. Um, it, oh, <laughs> it was a lot. And it all changed when I got here. You know, you mm-hmm. get on the ground, you see what's happening and things shift. I was, I was interested in how the Israeli dance scene, it had started out actually being very influenced by Americans, mm-hmm. um, by Martha Graham, if that's the name that, mm-hmm. that you or some other people watching or listening mm-hmm. know. Um, but, but, by the time I got here, Ohad Nahalin was a, a very well-known 
name internationally within the dance community. And again, all of these other choreographers, Yasmin Goder and Inbal Pinto and Absalom Pollock and Rami Ber, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I was kind of interested in that shift. Mm-hmm. Um, I was interested in how, how Israeli choreographers were expressing their culture. Like, were they relating very evidently and explicitly to current events here, to elements of Israeli identity, Israeli culture, Jewish culture, Jewish identity? These were all things I'd explored there. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, that, that kind of all happened there. It was a lot of, I ended up doing just a lot of mapping things out. And then Gaga really became a, a very key, um, sort of physical element in my life during that mm. year because that was something that was made here. Um, and so, you know, how how does this choreographer, Ohad Nahalin, who had trained and and been sort of plucked from Batsheva by Martha Graham, he'd gone to New York, he'd danced with her, he'd had this performing career. How does he come back here? How does he become the artistic director of this company and just revolutionize dance training, not only here in Israel, but mm. abroad? And how does he also create this practice, which is not just about revolutionizing dance training, but but giving something to people regardless of, you know, whether they're dancers, whether they want to go on stage. Because from so. what I've read, he wanted to create a way to speak to his dancers that got them to move yeah. in a way that he wanted them to move before learning the choreography. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to it's say? A, yeah, it's, it's a lot about, um, you know, whether or not they know the choreography already, but how do they interpret the work? Mm. Um, and how, how could he communicate to the dancers um, in a way that it would really improve their interpretation? Um, so he developed this vocabulary and we, we haven't gotten so much into, you know, what is the vocabulary? Maybe it's right. been a little theoretical, but you know, how do we, how do we deal with qualities of movement? How do we have something that's like a bit thicker and how do we have movement that's a bit softer? Yeah. Um, you know, how do we have, gradations a lot of gaga is about range that you can move kind of with these very small details you can move much larger you can move very slow you can move very fast and there's this these spectrums with everything in between you can be very thick you can be just a bit thick you know 70 percent 60 percent you can almost measure these things um how could he talk to his dancers about being explosive you know this kind of like very fast um power that can come up this force mm-hmm. and and a lot of the terminology in gaga if we go back to the idea that it's a movement language so if he then brings us into the rehearsal studio whether he's creating a work with the dancers or whether it's an existing choreographic work that he's resetting and reviving you know how can this kind of language help the dancers do the movement um mm-hmm. in the way that that it really is Kind of in in line with his intention, but they can also maybe bring something of themselves to it because right. it's, it's not. It's really genius because it, there's a difficulty in what is created in your mind, and then the ability to get it across because language, whatever language you're speaking, is so limited in a lot yeah. of ways, especially when we're trying to express art. Mm-hmm. So that that's amazing to be able to like tell a dancer like explode at seventy <laughs> percent. They know what you're talking about, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it might take a little bit of fine tuning, but yeah, you're like, there, there are these tools and when you pair them together, you can become much more precise. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when a dancer is training in this class every day and they have this shared language with the choreographer, then they can really, I think, find the synergy in the studio mm-hmm. where it, it can just, you know, the sky is the limit at that point. Right, and I think if I could compare Batsheva Dance Companies 
performances to art, I would say like a piece of painted art, I would say sometimes there's a story, sometimes mm -hmm. there's not a story, and sometimes it's just a feeling you get and you know the feeling, at least I know the feeling, but I can't express what that feeling is necessarily because I feel like I'm doing a disservice to what I'm actually experiencing. Hmm. That's beautiful. <laughs> and yeah, I, yeah, I, I think there is something to that. There's, there's a range in what the company has presented. There's certainly a large range in Ohad Nahalim's repertory. Um, and that there are works where there is much more of a story um, like Yag, I don't know if you got to see Yag during the, the pandemic, it was something that, that, that Sheva did, um, they, they put it out on screen. There are other works that are much more abstract and there's a lot of room, I think, also for, for audience members to interpret. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it, it, sometimes it can be challenging to, to put into words. And I think that's also, maybe we don't always need to put into words, right. but maybe that's also touching on, um, you know, Ohad recently has he's been talking about sort of this invisible chaos in the body. And, you know, chaos, it's not it's not necessarily a matter. And in fact, it's it's not really like a mess, but it's something that it's hard to describe. Yeah. Right. And so like the language, like maybe you can't find quite the words to describe that, mm -hmm. but you can still be very aware of it. There mm -hmm. is still some order and organization mm -hmm. going on with that. Um, the same in the work of art, right? That that maybe right. we don't have the ability to to easily translate our reaction or what we see into mm. words. Um, but it has it's it has kind of its its own structure. Right. It has its own logic. It is coherent in some way. Um, and it can generate a lot of sensations or yeah, feelings. Or, or even emotions. like thinking like, oh I can't express what this is or what this means to me, but my body understands this. My some mm -hmm. part of my mind understands this, or on some emotional level, like this makes sense to me. And maybe it's that chaos. Maybe it's that there is chaos in the body, and we're seeing it played out in front of us in a way that our bodies can see themselves in it. Yeah, I. You know, you also said that your your body understands it, right? And I mm -hmm. think you're you're also talking about this this kinesthetic response that you have, right? That you have a physical response, and I think you know, that's one of the wonderful things about dance is that we can sometimes have this physical reaction. And I think in general, we're often, at least in in the society I grew up in, you know, in, in New Jersey, like I, I don't think we were really trained or taught, educated, like how do we talk about these kinds of things mm -hmm. and how do we talk about dance you know it of almost of all the arts i feel like we we sort of put that aside mm -hmm. which is kind of funny because we all have bodies and we right. all i think we we all engage in dance and in movement right and, mm -hmm. and perhaps movement is also can also just be viewed as a kind of dance um but i but, think when you know, we uplift the brain right we give the brain so much power in our culture but there's a lot of people completely disconnected to their body. They could they say yeah. things like, I don't feel well. And you're like, oh, what do I, what do you feel? And they're like, I don't know. So there is yeah. this like disconnect. There totally is. And it's, I mean, this is one of the things that I feel it's been fascinating for me about Gaga in that there is this disconnect in a lot of, um, kind of our modern lives and a lot of Western societies. And here, 
you know, we're, we're talking about all the time tuning into the sensation. Like if you move a little bit, you mm -hmm. can, you can sense the touch of your skin and your clothing and you can mm -hmm. feel the air on your skin. And that already brings this awareness. Mm -hmm. And then how do we not only have these sensations, but how do we also transform that, um, into pleasure, mm -hmm. right? That, that it's something that, that we can really enjoy from it. And, you know, be, be kind of constantly aware of this. And we don't necessarily talk about um, emotions in Gaga. Like we don't say, be happy now right. while you're dancing. Like, let's <laughs> right. dance and be happy. That's, that's not the kind of instructions we give. But if, if I'm dancing and I'm, you know, connecting to the sensations on my mm -hmm. skin and I'm really starting to find the pleasure in it, mm -hmm. then it also is sparking some joy in right. me. Um, so it, it, it transforms and kind of mutates into to something which also affects my mood. And you realize the more that you engage in this, how our bodies are so connected mm. to also our mental states, to our emotional states, um, even though we do have, okay, you know, here's the, the brain and here's this. And, you know, our, our head is also a body part, right? We can move it. We right. don't just need to think about the movement. But what happens if we actually treat it as the same as, you know, our arm or the same as our leg that we can move our head right. and I can, wow, I can feel the sensation of the air on, on my face, you know, on my cheeks, on my, my forehead. And, and I can enjoy from that. You hit two very important things for me. And it's this idea of what we find desirable and what we find pleasurable. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we ask ourselves or each other that question enough. It's certainly not something I see often. I think that leads to the disconnect of many people not really knowing what they feel pleasure about. What do they desire? Um, mm -hmm. and maybe the body is one way to start to ask that question of yourself. You know, start with the, the biggest part of you, your body, and then see what you find. Yeah. Can, can you expand on the, the, like, what is desirable part? Because that's interesting. Like, I... I mm -hmm. Yeah, let me just hear you talk about that. So there's a lot of people that I've spoken to, whether it's in my yoga practice or my former dance practice or just out in the world, when you ask them to consider what they enjoy, what they find pleasurable, mm -hmm. they sometimes have a hard time answering that. And I'm thinking maybe mm -hmm. with practices like Gaga or yoga, we're taking the largest part of ourselves, what's most physical, what we could really touch and feel, our bodies, and start to explore those questions of, mm -hmm. oh, maybe when I move like this, this feels good. And even that initial thought of this feels good is not a thought mm -hmm. I think most people have during their day-to-day -day life. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that. I think you know, even, even for me, and I don't know, maybe, maybe you also feel this certainly like when I'm in the studio or when I'm doing Gaga, I am all the time kind of aware of that. And right. it's very easy if I am spending hours in front of my computer typing away or doing whatever physical tasks I'm, I'm doing, you know, unpacking the groceries, mm -hmm. cooking dinner, lifting my, my daughter. I'm not, sometimes if, if something's really wrong, I'm probably noting, oh, that doesn't feel good. But I'm, right. I'm not always able to, to have that awareness of, oh, this feels good. Or my, maybe mm -hmm. this would feel better if I do right. this. I think it, we do turn that off. And I, I think you're right that, you know, just 
oftentimes by virtue of engaging in some kind of physical practice, whether it's yoga or gaga or another class or practicing, or maybe even running, like hopefully you are turning, tuning into that and, right. and then being able to sometimes take that into things which are less explicitly, oh, this is, this is a physical activity now um or a time to check in about it like maybe you can check in with yourself about it when you are walking down the street or unloading the right groceries. or something as simple as being on your computer you could sit on your computer yeah. and be in a posture that feels good for you or you could be on your computer and kind of be all hunched over and yeah. be in a posture that's just yeah. killing you by the second <laughs> yeah totally guilty of that sometimes yeah. and then and then, right, but then, you know, can we bring some tools from whatever our practices into that? So like I know for myself, I do, I do sometimes end up slouching and hunting and getting lower. And then, oh, you know, can I, can I maybe move a little bit? Can I shift my weight? Can I, can I find a little bit of a, a dance in these small details? And then all of a sudden it changes this, this just physical state and situation yeah. that I'm not so aware of, but that's maybe even causing damage into something that can, you know, lift lift my body and lift my mood and my whole being. And I think practices like this also change how we move through the world. I always talk about, mm -hmm. I first, when I first started doing yoga, you know, I have the tendency, maybe a lot of ballet taught me to do this when on my time mm -hmm. off. So it means mm -hmm. that I'm not walking through the world with my heart out, right? And something as simple mm -hmm. as like walking with your heart first, as children often do, makes you feel different in the world it changes your experience of the world around you so yeah. can you speak to when you first discovered gaga how did it change the rest of your life were you moving oh. differently through the world in any way or did it like kind of sneak up mm. on you after <laughs> i'm sure it did change i mean i i guess i can also say i guess that, you know the first thing is it, it kind of changed it changed my relationship first to myself within dance mm -hmm. um, and then probably outside. But for sure with regards to dance, it's because I really had been so grounded in um, Western dance techniques that were very form-based, that were very much about trying to find a very particular shape, form, step. Um, and, and I didn't even really have much improvisational training. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that I mean, I, I remember seeing, so like really, really my first, my first glimpse of Gaga was from mm -hmm. outside the studio and Gaga is not usually something that we're supposed to watch, but I saw it happening in the studio and I just saw this brief moment and people looked so free and they right. were doing these things. And I, I remember thinking to myself, oh, you know, can I do that? Like yeah. I, I felt so locked in my movement patterns mm -hmm. and the, these ideals of what I'm supposed to do and what I'm supposed to look like. Um, so so I guess the first change was that I, I finally kind of gathered up the courage to go into class to, uh -huh. to take that risk, which it's, it's sort of funny, but I felt that. Um, and then I just felt, okay, wow, I, I don't need to always look in a certain way and I can mm -hmm. just really tune into my body and explore. And I think with regards to then how did I move through the world when I wasn't in the studio? Um, I think there were just, you know, a variety of things. I think some of it is, yeah, looking for sensation and really trying to be aware of it. And that oftentimes I can be. Sometimes it's a matter of just feeling like there are there are tools um, that I'm taking from Gaga into my life. Like mm -hmm. we talk about connecting to a sense of plenty of time. And 
you know, often I, I still I still have this kind of like East Coast fast yeah, yeah. thing, <laughs> right? Um, so you know, can I? But can I? Can I with that? Can I like let go a little bit? Can I still mm-hmm. go fast but not feel like I'm rushing? And can I connect to a sense of plenty mm-hmm. of time? And then often my body will feel much better because sometimes I'm you know like rushing down the street and it doesn't feel so great. Um, you know, it's just like it's it's little things, but a lot of them. You know, mm-hmm. they accumulate and. Um, I just, yeah, I think I just feel freer in my movement in general and more enjoyment. Like we talk about this, the the pleasure of movement and the passion mm-hmm. to move. And it was always there. It was always right. there, but it wasn't spoken about explicitly in my training. And I didn't necessarily think about it explicitly in my life, whether mm-hmm. in a dance context or a non-dance context. And now it's like, this is my default. This right. is this is my default of how I am. I love having a body and moving my body. Um, and it's it's just nice to embrace that. Yeah, it's a sense of Powerful. abundance, you know, and joy. Like, I want to do this because it's joyful instead of, like, I want to do this because I want to get better at X, Y, and Z. I want to do this because mm-hmm. I want to achieve this. We're always forward thinking. Or I want to do this because I'm punishing my body in some way because I want to be thinner, because I want to be faster, because right. I want to be more limber. You know, it's a different attitude to take. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's sometimes how I felt uh, when I started to run. I hated it, but I mm-hmm. I loved to see other people run and how free they looked and seemed like they felt. And I was like, I want yeah. that. Like, can I make it feel like that looks? You know. <laughs> and yeah. eventually, it did. I was never running like, oh, I'm gonna be the fastest, or oh, I'm gonna lose so much weight, or the number of things you convince yourself of. I was like, no, I want this to be freeing and liberating. I want to move in a way that I feel free, at least for this part of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think I feel the same way in Gaga because nobody, I mean, even in yoga, if you're taking a class, there's very specific um, positions for everything. I mean, that's the way it's built. There's a pose and there's a drishti or focal point and there's a breath. Um, so mm-hmm. there is, right and wrong there's no there's no gray area in that um and gaga is liberating in that i'm like i'm just doing this for joy whatever Mm -hmm. i do is correct and whatever i'm doing is to what my body needs and that i don't Mm -hmm. think we get often enough in our lives yeah yeah it's it's giving you some license Mm -hmm. to do that and to to spend this time with your body in that way um yeah, and I've, there's, there's I've actually, there. I've had some dancers reach out to me and say, um, when I first started doing Gaga, because of course I was calling everybody and I was like, have you have you heard about Gaga? Have you done this? And everybody's like, of course, well, the dancers, of course. <laughs> and then, but then I started receiving messages like, oh, it healed me. Oh, I was mm-hmm. going through this really emotional challenge, a depression, a breakup, um, injury, and it healed me. Can you speak to that? Why did you get those responses or that feedback from your students as well? Yeah, I definitely hear that um, from from participants uh, all the time. And it's sometimes it's overwhelming in a beautiful way to, mm-hmm. to hear that, just to realize the impact that this has, um, whether it's on their bodies, whether it's a physical injury or whether it's, it's something that's going on in their life and it has helped them cope with it. And I think, um, you know, that there, there is kind of an aspect of Gaga that is very healing and is even, you know, it's, it's been there again from the beginning. So 
So again, if I look at the genesis of Gaga, which it's still evolving even today, it's it's not also locked into kind of one thing, right? Um, but Ohad himself had dealt with a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. And this was also a way of really being in tune with his body and being able to to heal from it. So that was there um, kind of alongside that that um, idea of communicating with the dancers. And, and I think, um, you know, because there's sort of that element as a foundation, we don't want to work with pain. Mm-hmm. Um, we're quite explicit about that. Um, so we do also always allow people on a physical level, if there is something that it's too much, it's too intense, too fast, too strong, mm-hmm. um, they, we welcome them to always turn down the volume. So mm-hmm. you can still have things that are really meaningful physically at a low volume. And by doing that, you're creating, I think, a lot of flow in your mm-hmm. body. And I think that there's there's healing potential in that and mm-hmm. having movement. You know, I think it used to be that that people would say like, you, you're injured, okay, don't move it. And I think that the research is starting to say, no, maybe there does need to be some movement in a gentle way. So, you know, that's happening on a physical level. And I, and then I think, I, I mean, I feel that with Gaga, because we're not divorcing, you mm-hmm. know, the body from the mind, um, because we're not working with pain, but we are looking for this physical pleasure, all of this is helping us to to cope with things to tune into sort of the better you know like the better or the ideal not in terms of how do we look but how do we feel how do we sense like can we get to our best and maybe go beyond what we think we can in terms of that and that helps us um i guess one other thing i'll I'll throw out there is that ohad also often talks about how gaga is a lot about strengthening our engines um and that's in a sense very much physical right that we can mm-hmm. we can sort of metaphorically talk about although quite uh, concretely also about sort of engines in our body right that we mm-hmm. can use these, we can turn these on we can use many engines we could try to like lift something we can bench press this from here like what if we're using more and more of our body to do that same action and we spread out the effort and we mm-hmm. get stronger and i think then metaphorically we can apply that to life, right? Like we want to get stronger to deal with the things in our life. Mm-hmm. And some of that's physical, but some of that's just how do we, how do we find again, more of the pleasure, more of the joy, more of the openness, more of the research. So it's not just about ambition. It's not just about mm-hmm. achieving. It's not just about, you know, this or that, but there's, there's a lot more and that can help us cope. So whether it's a physical issue or then, yeah, maybe something happening emotionally, we maybe have more tools from this. I think even on an emotional level, it helps us be very present because that idea of there's always time is something that when you're in a state of stress or trauma, you're thinking there is not enough time and we're either projecting out so far into the future of somewhere we want to be, like not in this feeling Mm -hmm. or somewhere in the past. But rarely do we get the opportunity of being right in the moment and just feeling what we're feeling and the freedom of just moving through that feeling, whatever it is, without trying to change it or manipulate it in any way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. How can you recognize, how can you give give space to this moment, be fully in it and, and yeah, just recognize it. And then sometimes maybe you do want to make a change, but first you need to have that, that being in the moment and that recognition of it in order to you know, either stay that way or change or, yeah. And to accept yourself, I think, accept yourself yeah. physically, mentally, emotionally, exactly where you are, instead of already taking out the checklist and being like, oh, well, I'd be better if I changed this, this, and this, I'd be fine. Um, 
I just think it's brilliant. But before we go, because I want everyone to do Gaga now, that's my thing. Um, <laughs> how can folks all around the world um, join You Teachers Online? Oh, that would be wonderful. So um, everybody is welcome to join us. We have classes seven days a week, multiple times throughout the day. They're live streamed. Um, and you can go to gagapeople.com slash en um that's the english side but you'll you'll easily find the way to toggle over to the english side even if you just go to gagapeople.com and there's a, a nice button there for the ongoing online classes um and you can join us we have those we also have occasional workshops sometimes ohad Mahalin is teaching those as well and they're again they're open for people there are ones specifically for dancers but a lot of them are really for the general public so i encourage and welcome everybody who's interested to try for sure. How are the workshops different from the individual live classes? Mm. So the workshops for people, typically they pair a Gaga people class with a methodics class. And methodics, it's um, a more flexible format. It's longer than the online class. Usually the online people classes are in half an hour. Mm -hmm. um, and the methodics, it goes on for about an hour, maybe even a bit more. And it's a way to kind of research more. Sometimes some of the fundamental things, things might be broken down. We might um, approach a certain subject from a few different ways. We don't need to have the same kind of peaks that mm -hmm. we might have in class. So, but it's a little bit different every time. And then the workshops, usually there's a little bit of a session at the end where people, you said it's kind of like a party at the end. So it's really a party. <laughs> you know people people dance you know we'll have like a sort of curated set list of music and people will dance and maybe get a little bit of input and it's just a chance to check everything and have fun with it awesome yeah. i'm still crossing my fingers and putting it out into the universe that that you all are going to make it out into miami so i could take a class in person yeah. otherwise i'll have to jump on a plane after this pandemic <laughs> I hope you can. I hope you can come to us, but I hope we can also come to you. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thank you so much, Deborah, for being here with us. Um, I know whoever was listening got so much out of this, and I really do hope they check you guys out. Um, so thank you. Thank you, too. It's been wonderful talking with you. I hope to talk to you really soon. I hope so, too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Wild Wonder podcast. This podcast is made possible by our generous Patreon patrons. If you want to support us, please go to patreon.com forward slash wild wonder. Thanks so much for listening. See you very soon.